In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. Well, my name is Father Bryce Higginbotham. I'm a priest of the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau, and I serve at the Holy Cross Parish in Morgan City, Louisiana. And it's, uh, it's really good to be with you all as we have uh, this mission together. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us his cistern and drank from it himself, with his children and his flock? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water, that I may not be thirsty, or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying, I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place of worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When He comes, He will tell us everything. Jesus said to, him, to her, I am He, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, What are you looking for? Or, Why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come see, a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up 
and see the field ripe for the harvest? The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, and the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified, that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus Christ, King of What is the mission of the Catholic Church? What are, what are we about? What, what do we do? What, what is, if we might call it that, our mission statement? Very simple. And it was invented by Jesus. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. Like like a couple minutes, He's about to ascend into heaven. And He gives us our mission. Very simple. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the close of the age. Gospel over. Jesus ascends. There's your mission. Go and make disciples. It's as simple as that. But to make disciples, we first have to be disciples. So over these next three days, I would like to explore together the experience of three different disciples of Jesus that show us that teach us by their experience how to be a disciple. Over these next three days, we won't be able to give an exhaustive dissertation of everything about being a disciple of Jesus, but over these next three days, we will be able to encounter three people, three real historical people, not much different than you or me, who lived truly the mission of the church. Who lived truly the particular vocation to which God is calling them. 
And in the Gospel, each day, we'll hear the story of these three people. The first is the woman at the well who later take, took the name Fotina and who we call Saint Fotina today. The second, the man born blind from John chapter 9. And the third, the prince of the apostles, St. Peter. And as I said, this won't give us an exhaustive the dissertation of what it means to be a disciple, but it will give us three key um, activities, three key actions which disciples do. And here's the three. Witness, worship, and weep. Disciples witness, disciples worship, and disciples weep. The Samaritan woman, St. Fotina, met Jesus. And then she just told other people about it. Fotina met Jesus and she just shared with other people her experience of the Lord Jesus Christ. She was a witness. She bore witness, testimony, martyrdom to our Lord Jesus. But there was a there was a process. There was something that that got her there. What happened? She's just going about her day like normal. And she meets up with Jesus at the well. And what's her reaction at first? Jesus says, you heard it, Jesus says, give me a drink. And at first, she's skeptical. Who is this guy? I don't know him. Why is he talking to me? You know, a lot of us have... um, People whom we love very deeply who don't know Jesus. And for a lot of us, it's a source of grief that there are people whom we love deeply who don't know Jesus. Maybe they left the church. Maybe they got into all kinds of bad stuff. No, but I, I, I bet probably all of us in this church can think of somebody right now whom you want so badly to know Jesus. And oftentimes, what happens when we have these people whom we love and and, and, and we want them to know Jesus and, and we try to introduce them to Jesus, oftentimes what happens is like their first response is a response of skepticism. Who is this guy? What does he have to, what does he have to do with my life? How is Jesus or His church like, relevant to me? And oftentimes, 
we'll encounter this skepticism with people whom we love. And, 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 and if we're honest, it's discouraging. Man. He's never going to change. She's, she's never, she's never going to come back. I want so badly this person to know the incredible life of a Christian, of a disciple. But he's so skeptical. It's, she finds Jesus so irrelevant. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I want this person whom I love to go to heaven. But I don't know what to do. Well, two things. The first one, Skepticism is a very normal first response. So don't be afraid. Don't freak out. Don't get discouraged when you first encounter skepticism. And somebody whom you love, who you want to come back to Jesus. Or somebody whom you're introducing to Jesus for the first time. That's the first thing. The second thing is that we... We don't do the converting. Jesus does. Always. We don't do the converting. God does. Always. And so, when there are people whom we want to go, come to Jesus, because that's our job, remember the mission statement. Make disciples. That's the mission statement for the whole church. That's not just the mission statement for the Pope. That's not just a mission statement for the archbishop. That's not just a mission statement for the priests or the deacons or the people who like do stuff at church. That's the mission statement for us. And so we are called to reach out. We are called to make disciples. We are called to tell people about Jesus whether, whether they never knew Him or whether they used to know Him and ran away or whatever that, whatever that may be, whether they're very close to us or whether they're not. Our job is to make disciples and but we can't do that. We can't change people's hearts. We can't change people's minds. I can't overcome anybody's skepticism. And what do we do? The first thing that we have to do is to pray and to fast. To pray and to fast. All of us. Prayer and sacrifice. That is the way to change the world. That is the way to open up the floodgates of grace down from heaven. If our health allows us to do so, we should all be fasting from time to time in accord with our constitution from food. And if our health does not allow us to do so, then we should find other sacrifices, other mortifications, little deaths, which we can do to be part of the mission to make disciples. So St. Plotina, she begins with skepticism and, and then what happens? Something piques her interest. Jesus says, I'll paraphrase a lot of this, Jesus says, I can give you living water so you don't have to come back to the well. Oh, I would like that. That would make my life better. Having living water would make my life better. So she goes from skeptical to curious because 
there is something presented to her that can make her life better. I am. Oftentimes, when we try to love other people, we try to love other people in the way that we best receive love. Oftentimes, when we love other people, we try to love other people in the way that we best receive love. It's probably bigger than like five love languages, but those things are useful and helpful. So an example. I receive love best by quality time and words of affirmation. So if I want to love you, I will probably give you a word of affirmation. But maybe you don't receive love in that way. And maybe that's not like super helpful for you. Maybe a way that you give and receive love quite easily is acts of service. Well, if I really love, if I say, if I just say that I love you, then I'm just going to keep giving you words of affirmation. And you're not going to feel terribly loved and I'm going to start getting aggravated because I'm trying real hard to love you and you're not reciprocating and, and the relationship doesn't grow. But if, if I love you enough to, to, to love you the way in which you need to be loved, then I'm going to pay attention. How does he receive love? How does she show love? And then when I realize that a way you receive love very well is acts of service, then I'm going to do a little acts of service for you. And things are going to be different. Jesus does that. All the time in the Gospel. He, he, He treats everybody like differently. Because He knows that He created each one of us unique and unrepeatable. And so He can look into the eyes of the Samaritan woman and see what she needs and give her that. He can look into the eyes of the Syrophoenician woman and see what she needs and give her that. He can look into the eyes of Peter and give him one thing and John and give him another thing and Thomas and give him another thing because He chooses to love in the way that the other person needs to be loved. And so if we are trying to make disciples, then we have to be attentive like Jesus to see the other person with His eyes and to love them the way that we need, they need to be loved. And Jesus knew that He could give this woman living water and He knew that talking about living water would pique her interest So he talks about living water and piques her curiosity which begins to overcome her skepticism. He could have just gotten frustrated. He could have thought that she was a lost call. He could have given up. But instead, he loves her the way that she needs to be loved and she becomes curious. She asks his question. He answers her question and she begins to have the desire. What is this living water? If you keep drinking this water, you're going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I'm going to give will never thirst. She says, I want that. I want that. 
it doesn't seem like she realizes yet that Jesus is talking about like the water of baptism, spiritual water, the water that with blood flows from his his pierced side. But Jesus offers her something that she needs after she's become curious. If we just offer people something that they need before they become curious, they usually don't realize that they actually need it until they don't take it. But we wait. We go to them and we spend time with them in their skepticism. We love them in the way that they need to be loved so that they might become curious. When they become curious, they ask questions. And then we answer their questions in a way that elicits, that pulls out this desire. I'm tired. I hate being ashamed of myself. I hate coming to get water at this well when it's the middle of the day and it's hot. I want something more. I want something different. And it's in that desire where we have probably the key moment. The key moment in this whole exchange. Go, call your husband, and come here. This woman was a very wicked sinner. She was an adulteress over and over again. That's commandment number five. That's bad. Jesus did not ignore her sin. She she was most likely on the way to hell. And Jesus wanted to rescue her from hell. And the way that Jesus rescued her from hell was not by first talking about her sin. Jesus' way of rescuing her from hell was not by pulling out His Bible or His Old Testament, because there wasn't the whole thing yet, and beating her over the head with it. And Jesus' way of inviting her out of her sin, hear me well, was not to ignore it. No. At the time when she became open, Jesus just asks her about it. Hey, how about your husband? And this is a critical moment for us, for you and for me. Because I am a sinner. And if I do not allow Jesus to come into my sin and into my sinfulness and heal me over and over and over again, then I will not grow. Then I will not continue to live as a disciple. Then I risk not going to heaven. 
if I don't let Jesus encounter me. Or rather, if I don't open myself to encounter Jesus. Yo, that is critical in the Christian life. And we don't like to look at our sin. We don't like to see our sin. We don't like to talk about sin. So what do we do? We deflect. And that's what she did. Jesus wants to bring her healing and fulfillment and happiness and peace. And what does she say? Sir, I believe that you are a prophet. And she gets into a theological debate with Jesus. That's never a good idea. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain and you say that in Jerusalem is the place to worship. Blah, 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 blah. Those things are important. Don't get me wrong. But she's deflecting. That's not the point. She says, I don't want to... I'm going to tra- like, translate or paraphrase. I don't want to talk about my sin. So I'm going to talk about something that sounds holy, but it's on the surface. I don't want to talk to Jesus about my sin, so I'm going to talk about something that sounds holy, but is on the surface. I don't want to talk to Jesus about my sin, so instead of praying today, I'm going to like do some volunteer work. Not because Jesus is calling me to do volunteer work today, but because... You know what? I'm going to do something that's like, that, that kind of feels holy and, and makes me, I, I don't have to talk to Jesus about my sin. I'm going to go to pray and like Jesus wants to talk to me about something deep, like, and I know it's coming. So I'm just going to read my book, my spiritual book, and do something like on the surface that seems holy. Jesus is calling me to go like encounter somebody else, but that's like a really uncomfortable thing for me to do, to go like to talk to somebody else about him. So I'm walking this way and I'm supposed to go meet, I'm supposed to go meet you and talk to you about Jesus. But I'm going to turn this way and I, I'm going to go to the chapel. Because it seems to be the most holy thing to do. Notice that all of those things that I described were good things. Like going to volunteer, going to pray, praying good, reading good spiritual books. All those are good things. But we cannot let things that seem holy, I'm sorry, we cannot let ourselves deflect and miss the encounter with the person of Jesus Christ by just doing superficial things that seem holy. It's one of the reasons why it's important to make a really good examination of conscience and to go to confession often at least every month or two. Even if we don't have mortal sin. Of course, if you come into mortal sin, go immediately. Why? Because it makes us go deeper to make a good examination of conscience and then a good confession. It takes us deeper. Deeper than the superficial. Yes, Jesus, I will encounter you in my sin. Yes, Jesus, I will let you heal me. Yes, Jesus, I actually want to be in closer relationship with you and I don't want to just seem like it. St. 
St. Fotina, she, well, she becomes a saint because she's actually open. And she perseveres like through this deflection and says, alright, I'm willing to talk about the Messiah. Jesus says, I am. That's me. So the woman left her water jar, which is, is a whole talk by itself, she had come there to get water and she forgot the whole point of why she had come because she met Jesus and He transformed her life. She went through the deflection. She opened herself and she was different. So what did she do? She went to tell everybody. Come see a man that told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Notice how she told everybody. All she did was say, hey, you all know my sin. Yeah, I mean, she was a public sinner. Here's what God did for me. Come check him out. This happens over and over again in the Gospel according to John. Hey, here's what God did for me. Come see. It's as simple as that. We don't have to have degrees in theology to do that. It's good for some people to have degrees in theology. We don't have to have a special commission from the bishop to do that. So there are people who have commissions from the bishop to do special things. And that's good. All of us who have been baptized, we got the commission. Go and make disciples. Here's what God did for me. Let me tell you about it. But here's the thing. If we keep deflecting, if we don't allow ourselves to encounter Jesus, if we don't allow Him to know, to know our thirst, to see our sin and our brokenness and our failures, and if we put on this mask in front of Jesus, if we go and do superficial, seemingly holy things, instead of letting Him meet us in our brokenness and in our suffering and in our littleness and in our need, then we don't have anything to tell anybody except something we read in a book. And things that we read in quotes from books don't change people's lives. Encounters with people change people's lives. Hey, I read this in a book and I talked to Jesus about it and my life is different. Now, now we're getting somewhere. As opposed to, I read this in a book and I think you should do it. And what happened? Because of the woman's witness, he told me all that I ever did. Many of the Samaritans came to him. And because of that woman's witness, they met Jesus. They asked him to stay with them. He stayed with them for two whole days. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of your word that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves 
and know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. The woman, St. Fultina, she encountered Jesus. She allowed Him to transform her life and she told others about Him. And then they encountered Him themselves. We could say it this way. Encounter leads to transformation. Transformation leads to witness. And witness leads to an encounter for others. Encounter leads to transformation. Transformation leads to witness. And witness leads to an encounter for others. So as we strive to be disciples, as we come and as we recommit like we do every year, this Lent, be a witness. Don't deflect from the deep work that Jesus wants to do in your soul this Lent. There is deep work, deep healing, Hard work, difficult healing that Jesus Christ wants to do in each of our lives this Lent. Deep work, which at some point, in appropriate ways, we can tell other people about. Hey, see what Jesus, look at what Jesus did for me. Hey, look at how Jesus has changed my life. I'd like, you, I'd like to invite you to come and meet Him yourself through the intercession of St. Fotina, under the patronage of St. Anne. May we encounter Him, may we be transformed, and may we witness to others. Amen.